Project Taryag, day six. And we're starting with Mitzvah Chof Ches. And that is Shaloy Lehishtachavos Navoy Dezara. We're still in Aser Sadibris, not to bow down to Avoy Dezara. The Pasuk says, Let Yishtachavelehem don't bow down to them. It's referring to all the Avoy Dezaras, statues, idols, which people could create for themselves. And it's not just talking about as a form of service that even bowing down on its own is a problem. Because we have another passage which says that bowing down is a problem on its own right. And therefore, we learn, as I'll teach us, that there are four avoiders which were reserved for avoiders Hashem. They're meant to be used in the temple service for Hashem. And to do any of them for an Avodah is punishable, even if that's not the normal way that that, that Avodah is served. These four are Ishtach which means prostration, in front of the Avodah Shecht and Korbanus for the Avodah and then either offering them up, which means the blood libation or the wine libation, or burning it in the Mizbeach. Any of these done for an Avodah would be punishable in the category of Avodah The reason for this mitzvah, like all the mitzvahs of Avodah is the, the cornerstone of Yiddishkeit that there's no power or force or ability in the world besides Hashem. Now, what is included in the prohibition of bowing down, and that just means bending oneself or spreading oneself, like so to speak, flat on the floor, we call Pishot Yadayim Raglayim with his legs and arms outstretched. That's for sure, Asur. And Chazal said even activities which aren't intended to be bowing down to Avodah Zarah, but that's what it would look like. A person bends down to pick up coins which have fallen on the floor in front of an Avodah Zarah, or to take a thorn out of his clothing in the same fashion, that would be awesome because it would look like he's bowing down to the Avodah Zarah. Obviously that wouldn't be punishable by death because the intention to worship Avodah Zarah wasn't there. This mitzvah applies in every time and place, men and ladies equally. And if a person intended to bow down to Avodah Zarah, and he was warned he would get killed, a and if he only did a Peshogeg, by mistake, then he would have to bring a carbon chatos, a special carbon for Avodah Zarah, like any case of Peshogeg. Mitzvah Chavtes, the 29th Mitzvah, Shaday Labed Avodah Zarah, and that is the continuation of the same passage, it says, Let Yishtach Avodahem, Velot them. don't worship them, don't serve them. And what's included in this extra prohibition, which wasn't already included in the issue of bowing down to them, or sacrificing, or pouring wine, or oil, or blood, or whatever it would be for the Avodah Zarah. So what's included here is another level, and that is, whatever that Avodah Zarah requires people to do. Each Avodah Zarah made up its own form of worship, and then therefore to follow the form of worship of the Avodah Zarah would be forbidden. The Gemara goes even further than that, and says even those forms of Avodah Zarah which we would look at as being more of an embarrassment or disgrace to the Avodah Zarah than a form of worship, but once that was chosen as the way that the worshippers of that religion, of that idolatry, served it, to do the same thing, such as exposing oneself to Baal or throwing stones at an Avodah Zarah called Marquitis, that would also be included in this prohibition, was doing the activity that they did, and therefore it would be awesome. Right. It applies equally to men and to ladies in every time and place. 
And the same as before. If a person is over bemazed and he was warned the punishment is skeda, he gets stoned. And if it was a bishayka, he could have to bring a korban chatos. Now, the Rambam calls each of these a separate mitzvah like we saw beforehand. In other words, not to make a statue, not to worship of a desire, not to serve of a desire in its own style of serving it. The Ramban understands this is all a chalik, all a part of the general prohibition of a desire. And therefore, instead of counting them as three or four separate mitzvahs, he incorporates it all into one principle, and that is the Isser, uh, not to not to worship or serve of a desire. And therefore, we'll see the Ramban is going to add other mitzvahs later on in order to make up the same calculation that we get to 613. Okay, now we come to another mitzvah, mitzvah Lamed. The third of the, of the Ten Commandments, not to swear falsely. So the Chinuch here is going to first explain the rules of the mitzvah, as the other Roshonim do. And then he gives us a lot of background to understand the idea of what an oath or what a neder, a shvur, or a promise means in the terms of the, of the Torah. So the Passock says, Don't take Hashem's name for nothing. What's called for nothing? The mission says in Shvurs, there are four kinds of Shvurs, of promises a person can make, that are called for nothing. And what are they? The first one is a person who makes a Shvur to deny the obvious. An example of the Mishnah is a person who swears about a stone that it's gold or the other way around, which is obviously patently untrue. So the problem there is that it was a Shvur which was meaningless because it was wrong. The second is if a person swears to what is obvious, and it's already obvious. So if a person would make a shvur that a stone is a stone. So it's true, a stone is a stone, but it wasn't necessary to make a shvur for that because it's it's evident that it's a stone. The third, a person who makes a shvur to mevatel the mitzvah in the Torah. So if, for example, he makes a shvur, he's going to mechal Shabbos, and that's a similar kind of shvur to the first category. And that is, since he's commanded, obligated to keep Shabbos, and even more, the Gemara says that Klai Yisrael already accepted with the Shvur to keep the Torah. So then it's like he's making a Shvur to deny the obvious. And in which case, it's a Shvur Shav, it's a Shvur for nothing. And the fourth example is to make a Shvur to do something which is not humanly possible to do. And since we know Merosh, we know up front that it's impossible for him to do that. If that's the case, it's also called a Shvur Shav because it's a meaningless Shvur. It's a Shvur he will be unable to fulfill. In the case in the Gemara, a person says he's not going to eat or drink anything for seven days. A person says he'll go without sleeping for 72 hours straight or something like that would be in the category of something which is not humanly possible to do. And in all these four cases, a person who makes such a shvur has made a shvur shav, which means a shvur which is meaningless for nothing. And we're going to see that's an avera. Why is it an avera? What's wrong with stating the obvious or stating what's... No one's going to make a mistake if I say something which is patently wrong. And the reason is, is because I said a shvur. And what's the significance of a shvur, says the chinuch? It's for people to to strengthen within themselves their mother and their knowledge. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who exists and exists forever, nothing exists in the same, as much as, as Hashem does. Nothing has the same level of Vados of clarity of absoluteness, and if that's the case, 
when we mention Hashem's name. So the way we should do that is Be'emo of Yira, with fear, with trepidation, with awe. Not like people take things as light as being unimportant. Like other things which are not permanent, that have no intrinsic kium, intrinsic existence. Like other things in this world. And therefore, The respect we meant to accord to Shem Hashem, The fear we should have when we're standing in His presence, because we want to find merit in his eyes we shouldn't mention Hashem's name for nothing that way we talk about Hashem's name is with a certain trepidation a certain reverence and that's refers to Hashem's name and now we have another kind of shvur also and this isn't a shvur which is outright unnecessary or shaker the second kind of shvur is a shvur which a person commits himself to do something or not to do something. What we call a shvur is pitui. That a person says, I'm going to eat, I'm going to walk, I'm going to sleep, or he says, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to walk, I'm not going to sleep, whatever other activity it's going to be. Or, in the case like that, and then if a person's shvur would come out as a shaker, as being false, in other words, he didn't keep his commitment or he went against his word, so that's also included in the principle of Shvur Shaker. Just the second Pasuk. We learn from the Pasuk, it says, A person shouldn't swear in Hashem's name for something which is false. And what's the reason? The same reason as before. Because by Shvur, a person is comparing what he's doing to Shem Hashem. So, for example, a person says, As Just like Hashem is true, so it's true, it's true that I will do something. Then he's giving what he's going to do the same level of absoluteness as Hashem. And if he doesn't do it, it's, so to speak, it's a lack of covet for Hashem. Because by reverse, it's Ke'ilu sounding and saying like, that a person doesn't accept that level of MS and absoluteness by Hashem. That's what the Chinuch explains. He says, Ke'anishu b'shem ha'godol. A person who makes a shvur in Hashem's great name, He says, this is what happened, and he knows himself that he's lying. So it's like just like he's saying, I know I'm speaking a sheker. He is comparing Hashem to the sheker that he's saying. Same thing. A person who commits himself to do something in the future and he doesn't do it. So he's also denying the MS. Why? Because a shvur means. A person decided to accept to do something that he's making a shvur about. He won't change from what he said. Just like Hashem exists and doesn't change, that's the same amount that I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to do what I said. And that's the notion of shvur. That his nishba in something, he makes a shvur in something, it means is making it comparable to the level of reliability or MS that it affords to Hashem. That's one kind of speech that a person can use. And that's the Lashon Shvur. There's another language which is used in the Torah also, not in this mitzvah, but the Chinuch already explains now what it is to understand the difference. And that's a neder. A neder is a person makes something also to himself. 
But it's not saying that I, I guarantee not to do it, just like I know Hashem is true, that's the same reliability that I won't do what I'm doing. And there there is, there's something which I'm allowed to do, I want to make it awesome. Where, can, where do we see that people are allowed to make things also to themselves? So just like we see about Corbanus. A person can make something of his own, hektish, which means it's no, no longer belo- no, now no longer belongs to him, it belongs to Kodesh, and as a result it would be also for the person to use it, or to get any hanar from it. So similarly, a person can say, I want to make this object also to myself, and therefore it will be also for me or anybody else to get a benefit from it. And that's why when a person wants to make a nether, he has to say it in a similar sense to a way a person would make something also as a carbon or as belonging to the base of Mikdash. But those things which the Torah already asked it, so it's not up to the person to decide to make this also. That's the Torah made also. So therefore a person can't say this thing is also to me just like the Torah asked it eating a sheret or a chazir or any other non-kosher animal because that's in the framework of the Torah asked what a person would have to say is, this thing is also to me, just like a carbon would be also to me, because that works within the rules of what a person can extend the Torah's and create new levels of Isra for oneself. It doesn't just apply to oneself. If a person owns something, he can make it also for other people to use his thing. And there will be also for the other people to use his object which he has made also to them. Right. And when a person has made such an iser, so has made such a effect of making something forbidden, then we have a pasuk in the Torah of layachel dvari. A person can't go against his word, and he would be over an iser by, so to speak, using something which he had forbidden on himself to use. And that's why a nether only works on the negative. A nether is only to make something also. A nether would never make something muta or obligatory because the way a nether works is it creates an isr on a certain object. Whereas a shvur, which means a person obligates himself, could apply both ways. A person can obligate himself to do something, a person can obligate himself not to do something. Because of this distinction between the nether and the shvur, the mission in shvurs points out three major differences between how nadarim can work and how shvurs can work. The first one is, a nether has to has to find place on an object to be chal. It has to go on a specific item. So a person can say, this particular tree or this particular fruit or all these types of fruits are going to be also to me and that makes that object also to him. But on something which isn't a tangible object, there's no way for the nether to be chal. So for example, if a person says he's making a nether not to enjoy himself, that's not a nether. The nether has to go on the object, which now becomes also to a person. If a person says, I'm making a nether on these fruits, so now that becomes also for him to use or enjoy or eat those fruits, depending on what he said. Whereas a shvur, it works to restrict the person. And therefore, if a person would say, I'm making a shvur not to enjoy myself, so since the shvur is chal, which means applies to him, and now he's made it also for himself, he's accepted on himself not to enjoy himself, it would then be also for him to do that. The second point... And that is what the Gemara says, a shvur can't chal on another shvur. Once a person's already accepted upon himself to do something, or not to do something, so you can't say it a second time. It's like a shvur which is for nothing. If I've already obligated myself, 
So then that's the case. I can't re-obligate myself. I also can't make a shvur to go against my obligation. So the second shvur would just be a shvur shav, a shvur for nothing. Whereas when it comes to historium, if I make something also to myself, so now I can't use it because I made this thing also. If there would be two historium involved, so now it would, it would be doubly also for me to use. And what's the difference? Even if the first issue would no longer be applicable, the second issue would be chal. So as an example, if a person would say that he's making any bread into a nether, in other words, he's making all bread also on himself to eat, so now any bread there is, is now also for him to eat. If you make a second nether and say that he's not in all bread or anything baked is also for him to eat, so now it will be also for the second nether also. And that would mean, even if somehow the first nether would be invalidated or would come to, he gave it a time limit, which came to an end, it would still be also because of the second one. And it's not the same thing as a person saying, I won't do this, which once he said it once, there's nothing to add by saying it a second time. And the third difference, which is an extension of this one, and that is a person can't make a shvur to go against the Torah. We already committed ourselves to keeping the Torah, and if that's the case, any shvur to the contrary is a shvur contradictory to what a person is already obligated on himself to do. Whereas, if a person would make a nether against the mitzvah, it would work. So, for example, if a person makes a nether on a certain matzah, and he says that this matzah should be asked to me, so if a Pesach would come, and that would be the only matzah the person would have, he would not be allowed to eat it. Even though that means he won't be able to eat the mitzvah, fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah. And the reason is, is because once this thing becomes asked to him, so they have a loita say in the Torah, don't eat something which is asked to you. And against that we have an assay in the Torah of eat the matzah. And we can't force someone to do something which is also to him. And even though there's a normal rule that the Gemara says that when a person has an assay, a mitzvah's positive command which tells him to do something, and a mitzvah's later assay which tells him to refrain from doing the same thing, we normally follow the assay. That would only apply to a case when the restriction is only a later assay. But when it comes to the Dharim, Besides for the right say, in not breaking a nether, there's also a mitzvah say that a person is mukhiv to fulfill what he says. It says, that he has to fulfill what he says, and if that's the case, a person would be more chayiv to keep his nether and not break his commitment, and if he, therefore he wouldn't have the ability to do a mitzvah, he wouldn't be able to do the mitzvah. Another difference, if a person makes a nether, and a second person says, me too, then the nether will chal him as well, which means he's just extending the isur that the first person made to himself as well. Whereas by a shvur, it's not a question of an isur, it's a commitment. And therefore, if the first person makes a commitment, and the second person wants that commitment to apply to him too, he's going to have to use the lotion of a shvur to say, I commit myself the same way that the first person committed himself, or at least say, the way you committed yourself applies to me too. So that's the case, and we understand that a nether or a shvur are binding on a person, then how do we understand the possibility of reversing the effect of a nether or a shvur? It's the chinuch. It's the chesed of Hashem. He knows our weakness, so to speak, and that our understanding can change, what we want can change, so we have a way to get out of what we did. And that is, when we can see that we, the shvur or the nether we made as something which was a mistake, a shkaga, or an onus. Something we did without understanding. 
And then there's the opportunity for a person to, so to speak, revoke the shvur or the nether. How? Not by himself. It says the chinuch that would be too much b'shot nefesh. A person would do that with too much abandon. It has to be v'atzis chacham, which means a person has to go to a chacham or to a bastin, and he has to admit to him and explain to him why he made a mistake by making the shvur, a kind of a vidui. And it has to be there for something that he didn't realize when he made the shvur. And it came from Cheshun Yediyose, a lack of his understanding or knowledge at the time that he made the shvur, and therefore he wants to do vidui for that, and he wants to undo the shvur. And it has to be, therefore, a charata on the original dais that there was to make the shvur. And that's why if the person doesn't regret the shvur they made, they just want to stop now and get out of it or a person says that at the time he made the shvur he was happy he made the shvur but now he wants to change without a reason in cases like that then the chacham can't be matured for him which is another point as well there's a rule that which means some new occurrence which one couldn't have thought of at the time isn't the reason to mevatel the shvur the chinuch explains this because the way to mevatel a nether or shvur is to, for a person to say, I made a mistake. I should have thought about something at the time which I didn't. And now that I realize I made a mistake, I mischaret. I regret ever making the shvur. Whereas if it's something that a person couldn't be expected to think of at the time, then if that's the case, if he's coming to ask to be matter the shvur, it's not coming from a place of regret. It's just now, in the circumstances that there are, I want to change it. And therefore he explains that's not enough of a reason in order for us to be matter the shvur. This is also why if a person makes the shvur to somebody else, whether it's a basin or he says to the Klai Yisrael or whatever the case is, then a shvur like that you can't be matir. Because he didn't make it depend on his understanding, what he wanted to do. He made it depend on their understanding. And that's the case being as they don't want him to mimavatl his shvur, so he's not able to do that. The exception for this is if a person makes a shvur even on the dais of somebody else or on the dais of Klai Yisrael, and the shvur is going to bring him to be over at Yisr or not fulfill a mitzvah. So then we can say that we understand that the collective dais of Klal Yisrael wouldn't be that we want to prevent the person doing mitzvahs. And therefore, in cases like that, it's understandable that we would want him to be battled his, his or be mechel and now his shvur because that will enable him to do a mitzvah. And therefore, even if he made the shvur on the, based on what other people would want, if it's going to affect him doing a mitzvah, we'll assume that other people will want him to do the mitzvah and to mevatel the shvur. There's two more points to talk about in the principles of shvur, which the Shani mentioned over here. The first one is that a person has to use a language which works for the shvur of the nether he's trying to say. And therefore the Gemara discusses which languages are languages which imply shvur, and which languages are languages which apply nether, if a person is using a corruption of a language or a foreign language, or various other phrases which we found in Tanakh are used in context of a nether or of a shvur. So in all these cases, there would be a, that based on his language, there would be a possibility of a nether or a shvur being chal. But if a person uses a language which doesn't have that connotation, then the nether and the shvur will not be chal. That's the first point. The second point we need, we have a rule, will be called piv v'liboy shavim, which means... Besides what he says, that's what it has to be his intention also. And therefore, if the original intention was wrong when he made the nether, then the nether was never chal. 
Or if a person was forced to make a nether which he never intended, so there also the nether is not chal. So for example, the Mishnah says that if, a, if two people are haggling over a price, and the one says a shvua, I won't give you more, and the one says a shvua, I won't take less, neither of them mean a lashon of a shvua there. They mean that that's, they're trying to state the case that the ones who come to a compromise, so to speak, each one will give in somewhat to the other one, and therefore, the, since their machshava, their dice, wasn't, there should be a nether or a shvua, the nether or shvua is not chav. Same thing, the mission says, if a gangster or a, a thief would want to steal from somebody, and he wants to make a shvua, that, or a nether, I'm sorry, he wants to make a nether, that the things that the person wants to steal are not his, then a nether like that, being as it's under compulsion, and being as if the person knows that he can say it in a way which would seem to the person who he's making a nether to that he's making a nether. But to himself he would say it in a way which doesn't imply a nether. So that would be mutter. So for example, if the person says to him, I want you to make a nether to ask all the food in the world on yourself, if this what you're saying is not true, and he says, I make a nether to ask all the food in the world on myself, but he said quietly, only for today, or only for the next hour, that would work because since his intention was never to make a nether, then the fact the words he said without the intention and without the rotten because he's being forced to do it would work as not called a nether. And this issue will apply at any time and place, both to ladies and to men. And therefore, if a person is over and he makes a shvur, what we call a shvur shab, that on something which is obvious, something which is obviously wrong, what's about the mitzvah, like we said before. So he'll get malchus. But even though normally a person doesn't get malchus for a various involving speech, and here all he did was spoke, the Maisa is a special severity that Torah gives to Nadarim, and that's why he'll get malchus. And if a person uh, makes a shvur, or, or what he wants to do in the future, and he doesn't fulfill it, then you're going to see this is called the shvur spitui, and you'll have to bring, if amazing, he'll get malchus, and Beshogig, he'll have to bring a carbon. There's one further point. That's really the mitzvah of Shvur second Shvur Shav, the Isra involved. There's one further point, which the Chinuch raises over here. And that is, we find the concept of Hashem making a Shvur. And we find sometimes that it seems from Chazal that Hashem could retract a Shvur. And the question is, if retraction of a Shvur means that a person regrets originally having made it, there's some kind of mistake, he says, that he made a Shvur. So how can we talk about Ba'akadosh Baruch Hu, the idea of Hashem retracting a shvur? So the Chinuch explains that it's not meant to be understood literally that Hashem had a shvur, and Hashem afterwards had to be matir, which means he had to ask somebody to forgive him for making the shvur. Rather, the idea of Hashem's shvur is when a person or Kali Yisrael do something wrong on the level where the din is them to get punished. And there isn't a a good defense for what they did. So that's Kielu Hashem makes a shvur, which means commits himself to punish them. But, if Klai Yisrael after do tshuva, or they daven, like after the Egel Azov, when Tfilah of Klai Yisrael and Moshe, or other times like that, have the ability to change the balance in Shemaim. And because Hashem accepts Tfilah, and because Hashem is willing to accept tshuva, so that's the case, the din which beforehand was was obviously deserved can be tempered with Rachamim. 
And says the Chinook, that's what it means when you talk about Hashem being Shail and Ashwa, not that Hashem had to ask anybody's permission or to regret what he did, but rather the the din which originally would have demanded certain punishments can be tempered with Rachamim and therefore the punishment won't be administered. And that's why the Chinook says the idea of Hashem being Shail and Ashwa only applies from a, a, a decision to punish, a din, to a decision to be lenient, which is the result of people's tshuva or their tefillah, HaKadosh Baruch is prepared to relax the din. It's all part of Hashem's chesed. Masha'ank and the other way around. Once Hashem makes a, decides to do something as a, as a reward, or which is good for somebody, so then there's no possibility of Hashem changing that. And that's how you find, for example, by David Amar's family, it says, Nishba Hashem velo yinochem. Hashem made a promise and He won't change His mind. In other words, just like a person who wants to show the absoluteness of what he wants to say, by a person he would use the term of a shvur, that he can miss himself to do something. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to, so to speak, express what he wants to do in that same level of commitment, that Hashem would also, so to speak, express himself with the shvur. And when Hashem does make a commitment to do good, to benefit somebody, Hashem will never reverse that. And why doesn't that middah apply also to when Hashem commits himself to punish? This is Hashem's chesed. And even though at the time the punishment was fully deserved and should have been given, but the fact that Hashem is willing to accept tshuva and willing to extend chesed and offer mercy, offer rachamim, is a mile of Hashem that the commitment, so to speak, to punish is based on the fact that the sinner doesn't change. For the person who does the tshuva, the door is always open to repent. And then it's not that Hashem has to change or regret the shvur. In the circumstances which there are now, that punishment is no longer deserved, and therefore Hashem is prepared to forego the punishment and be merciful.